All right, family, welcome back to the Blitz period. Uh, today, we're going we're gonna to keep it real simple. We're going to go ahead and get into some of the stuff that I've been reading uh, on my page for the last couple of days since the Texas Tech loss. We're going to address the Texas Tech loss a little bit, but not too much, because I also want to talk a little bit about the transfer portal uh, and what's to come with that. And then I also want to talk a little bit about the facilities and things of that nature. So a lot of fun stuff to get into. But first and foremost, uh, and promotion and income. And, but if you're not following the Instagram account, Sooner Sports Daily, then you're missing out because especially coming up this off season, we're going to have a ton of new content coming out on the account, on the website, and we actually are getting into the Patreon game. Now, if you're not familiar with Patreon, Patreon is a website where you support us and, and you support us. We do things we you know, we do things like this podcast. We do things like uh, we get we have we have inside info. You know, you guys that follow me know I like to troll you guys a lot. So, if you want to know what I'm actually talking about, some of that stuff will be over on Patreon. Uh, the tiers are pretty easy. We're not going to charge you that much. The tiers are starting at one dollar up to five dollars is the highest price that you have to pay a month if you want uh, that information. So, we want you guys to go ahead and do that. Uh, and then as far as the Instagram account goes, I mean, guys, it's really crazy to think about this a year ago this week, we were in pandemonium and we were looking for a new head coach and the page picked up a lot of popularity. It picked up a lot of steam because people were looking for information on who was Oklahoma's next football coach going to be. And, uh, once that all came to settle, the page really took off and I thank Lincoln Riley for that. Uh, but anyway, let's just go ahead and get into it. So, um, I want to start off by discussing a little bit about the transfer portal and what's to come. So if you haven't seen by now, Theo Weiss entered the transfer portal, uh, the wide receiver, uh, Jordan Mukes, a redshirt freshman safety. He was a part of the 2021 class, and uh, he was a guy I was really excited about coming out of Choctaw, Oklahoma. So a local kid um, had the size for it, but Never really planned out. Uh, I expect Kevontae Henry to enter the portal when the, when it officially opens. I expect or Clayton Smith will enter the portal, to my belief, on uh, Monday, because I believe that's the day when the portal opens. So uh, here's the thing, you know, and I was talking to somebody about this earlier. I think the portal is going to be big for Oklahoma, and it's going to be big as far as who's coming and going. Now, here's the good thing about who's leaving. You're not losing guys that are going to burn you because last year, as we very well know, we lost a receiver who he was the second leading receiver on this team last year. And then we lost the guy that's about to win the Heisman Trophy. So that's going to hurt. But this year, you're not losing guys that are going to really kill you. You're going to lose guys that you may have said, dang, you know, I was really excited about that guy. That guy had all the potential in the world and things like that. But you're not losing a guy that, you know, like some of these schools might end up doing, they might end up losing their best players. And you don't have to worry about that this year. Uh, now, the thing is, and Brent Venables, I know may not be the biggest fan of the transfer portal, but bottom line is this, man, you, you have got to go into the portal and find some dudes because this is where I give Lincoln Riley a compliment which I haven't done that in the, in the last year, but this is where I do it. Lincoln Riley played his hand right because, I mean, this, like, let's be honest. I know we all love Oklahoma, but think about this. You're Lincoln Riley. 
You've got an opportunity to go out to Southern California. He does it. And I know we all hated him for it. But you can't tell me if you were in his position and you went to USC and you had an opportunity to get somebody like Caleb Williams to come play with you, you had a chance to go get a Jordan Addison or a Travis Dye, you would do it too. So, I mean, I give USC credit because they did really well in the portal. Ole Miss did really well in the portal. And obviously their season hadn't gone incredible, but they put up some numbers. Uh, but Ole Miss is, is, is walking to the college football playoff right now. Now, in saying that, I think Utah might get them on Saturday. But as of now, they're in the college football playoff. And if they win, they will for sure be in the college football playoff. And what they did was they loaded up on talent from the portal. I don't remember the exact number of people they added. I want to say it was around like it was somewhere in the 20s. But I mean, goodness, you added a Mario Williams, Caleb Williams, Travis Dye. Um, uh, what's the kid's name? Um, uh, uh, Jordan Addison, who I just mentioned. Uh, there's another guy that they had on defense. I think his name is Jacob Gentry or something like that. I'm probably completely wrong because I don't play. I don't pay attention to them that much. But they had a guy on defense that was really good. So, um, you know, them loading up on the portal helped a ton. And and now they're getting ready to go to the playoffs. And I mean, their defense still isn't all that great, but still, you have that perspective. But then you also have your teams like your Georgias, in which Kirby Smart said. A couple weeks ago, Kirby Smart said, we we didn't have one guy on this team come from the transfer portal. Like, we simply got to where we are by guys buying in to what we're doing. And that's been the message that Brent Venables has tried to preach. And he's preached that this past week. Like, I say this, man. So, I'm, I'm a nerd. So, I watch all the coaches' shows and things like that. And like people my age, like some of my classmates ask me, how do you know so much about it? Because I, I watch all that stuff. Brent, this past week on Monday, did his uh, coach's show with Toby Rowland. And it was one of the best I've seen in a long time because he really just went up there and, and gave the whole blueprint and talked about how it's as simple as buying into what I'm selling. And Brent talked about how, you know, when he was at Clemson. When he got to Clemson, and I read this stat earlier too, when he got to Clemson, their defense was awful. And he came in and took over. They got a little bit better. They ended up going, they were like the they were ranked like 54th in the country or something in total defense. But he said the reason why they didn't get that much better was because guys weren't bought in. Guys weren't bought into the physicality and the in the in the 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 strain that it the the strain that mentally that it was going to take for them to be great, but those guys bought into it, and this was back in the day when the portal didn't exist. I mean, it, technically it didn't exist. Like you had to actually go ask your coach to transfer, so you couldn't just leave at the drop of a pen like you can now. Because if a guy can't take it, he'll 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 be out the next day. But those guys bought in. They got better in year two, and by year three. It was nothing but top 10 defenses for the rest of his, his, his tenure there at Clemson. So for now, for Oklahoma, it's as simple as getting guys bought in. Now, I don't think every player that leaves Oklahoma in the portal is not bought in. I mean, think about a Theo Weiss. Like Theo Weiss, I mean, Theo actually just said this, and I'm going to try to pull up the quote uh, while I'm talking. But um, Theo Weiss is a guy that, I mean, he he, he just – has all the talent in the world, but I think, you know, obviously his injuries uh, were, were, were killer. Um, you know, he didn't really reach his full potential at Oklahoma. And I don't think he's all at fault for that. But uh, Theo said something the other day 
after the Texas Tech game, matter of fact, uh, he said something along the lines of, and shout out to my guy, uh, Bob Prisbillo, who tweeted this out on Luis's quote, and it pretty much lines up with that. He's talking about his belief in the coaching staff, and it gave you a little bit of a lens to think, okay, maybe he's sticking around. But here's the direct quote. He talks about the culture at Oklahoma. He says, the record might not show it, but trust me, it's going in the right direction. He says all the time he's in the double-A gap. He's really in the double-A gap. That man doesn't budge. He means everything he's saying, and I'm behind him 100%. So what that tells you is that it wasn't a nasty breakup. It wasn't something that was like, hey, I'm out of here. It's too hard for me. I can't do it. It was nothing like that. It was as simple as, look, it's just not working for me here. You know, I came back. Uh, you know, I, I did what I had to do. And, and like, we can all admit this, too, because people were asking me this in the middle of the season, too. Like, do I think we transfers? I kind of thought about it because, I mean, after the Texas game, he kind of disappeared. And I'm not saying it's his fault. He just wasn't seeing the field that much, as much as you thought he would. And even when he was on the field, he didn't get the ball. And we, I mean, we all remember last year he entered the portal. But the reason he came back, and he said this directly, the reason he came back was because he wanted to play for Jeff Levy. And he actually almost transferred to Ole Miss because he wanted to play for Jeff Levy. Ultimately, Jeff Levy comes to Oklahoma. You know, it, the stars align, right? But this is a situation where it's like it's just not working for me here. And it, it, there's no ill will towards the coaches or my teammates. I just need a better situation. And I feel like he does. I think Theo Weiss needs to change the scenery. He can go be a wide receiver one somewhere. And you can say he can be wide receiver one at Oklahoma next year. But I think Marvin Mims comes back. I think Jalil Farouk comes back. I know people were worried about him transferring. I don't know why, because I think if he did, he would have done that last year. Uh, you know, I mean, when it comes to the things like the portal, like they're going to have to go into the portal and get a receiver. And you have guys out there. I mean, Clemson. Just had a guy enter the portal uh, who was there for one year with Brent and uh, knows a couple of guys on the team. Uh, Dominic Lovett over at Mizzou. He was the leading receiver on that team. I think he was one of the leading receivers in the SEC. And that's an example of like teams losing their best player. He was by far Missouri's best player, but they have a quarterback that's. Yeah, so, um, you know, he's on the market. I mean, Alabama just had two guys into the portal, Christian Leary and Treshawn Holden. So. They're going to have to go into the portal and get a guy, especially when you talk about the decommitment of Anthony Evans. Now, obviously, they can go out and they can sign Miles Tease or Chance Fitzgerald or Caden Lee or anything like that. But if you want to get some experience, that's the direction you have to go. And you still have guys like L.V. Bunkley Shelton on the squad who's played college ball. Uh, you know, you I mean, you've got you've got some experience. But um, back to my point about Weiss. I mean, you know, Weiss's quote is just a direct reflection of. This thing is fine because and, and, and it all goes back to another thing that Brent said on Monday night was like, it may not seem like it, but some of these guys are bought in. Some of these guys are, you know, they understand what it's going to take. It's just a matter of can they actually do it? You know, and he talked about something about it's a lifestyle of best. And he mentions how and, and Toby Rowland actually asked him this question. He said, if there was something that you could do differently. When you first got here, what would it have been? And he said, giving the guys their playbooks earlier. If you followed me on Instagram, and I'm not the only one that's made this point, so I don't want to pat myself on the back. But if you follow the Instagram, you've seen me say over and over, they're thinking too much or they just don't understand it. 
And like the thing with the offense, like here's the thing about offenses. Like I think with offenses, when you and, and the perfect example of this is Lincoln Riley when he came in 2015, how that offense just took off and got better. When it comes to offenses, it's a little bit easier to learn because and, and now, now I want to say like offenses aren't easy to learn. Great elite offenses are not easy to learn. But Lincoln's offense, I think, was a lot more simple than Jeff Levy's. And that's not to be a hater because Lincoln Riley put together some of the greatest offenses I've ever seen. But it seemed like they were a little more simple than what Jeff Levy puts together. And yeah, I've even heard that from players of like, yeah, it's a little more complex than we thought. And most of the mental busts on, on offense that we know of, really, they come from penalties. Like, we don't know if they're out there running the wrong route or not. I mean, if they run into each other, it's obvious. We don't know the playbook, so we can't really say that. Defensively, if you want to build a national championship defense, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be, it's not going to take, it's not going to be like that. And it all goes back to my point about Brent when he first got to Clemson. They didn't turn around in two days. I mean, it took them two and a half years to get together. And now look where they are. And, and even now, their defense is not great. It, they're still top 20, but they're not incredible. I mean, I had somebody mention they were like, Clemson doesn't have that same physicality, that same aggression that they used to play with under Brent. I don't know if that's a product. I mean, clearly that's a product of him not being there. And I haven't watched enough Clemson to really attest to that. But still, um, you know, he mentions giving them their playbooks earlier because like we've talked about it so much of how, you know, a guy's out of position on defense. I mean, think about that touchdown that TCU scored uh, when they in the thrashing in Fort Worth. And there was a play where I think Billy Bowman was a safety on the play. And. He doesn't know whether he should take the running back or the receiver that's coming right up the right up the seam. And I think there may have been a linebacker there or something was going on. I can't remember the full play in detail. All I know is that Tay Barber ran right by the guy and scored. And so it's plays like that or it's plays like, excuse me, it's plays like Baylor. Baylor's on the goal line. And Jaron Kennick and Danny Stutzman go in the same gap. Like somebody messed that play up. Brent Venables is not out here drawing up blitzes where two guys go through the same gap. I don't think any defensive coordinator is. So that's obviously a mental bust. And and, and I think like I, I've been on the train of this defense has gotten better as the season's gone on. And even Brent said it. You're absolutely insane if you think this team hasn't gotten better. Sure, the results may not show it, but you can tell. In some spots, they've gotten better at. They got a little bit better running the ball. Sure, and I'm going to get into this point later, too, because I got a lot to say about Jeff Levy. But they ran the ball a lot better this year. I mean, my guy Joshua Cushion pointed out a great stat over on their podcast earlier today. He talked about Eric Gray had the fourth most rushing yards of any OU running back since 1978. Think about how many great running backs Oklahoma's had since 1978. You talk about Rodney Anderson, Samaj P. Ryan, uh, you know, Joe Mixon, Quentin Griffin, uh, uh, DeMarco Murray, um, DeMond Parker. I mean, the list goes on and on of truly great running backs that this, that this, that this university has seen. And Eric Gray had the fourth most yards of any of them. That's actually insane to think about. And it's one of the things that I talked about when Jeff Levy got hired was how 
was how awesome this team was going to be when it came to running the ball because that's what Levy likes to do. And when he was at Ole Miss, they had three guys that had above 500 yards. I think they had two guys that ended up in the thousands, or one of them may have been at 900. The other was 1,000. Uh, Ely was the one that had like 1,000 on the year. Um, but it's the things like that. And, and to kind of crawl into the Jeff Levy subject, and this kind of goes back to my point about what I've read on the page. So many of you have been in the comments uh, saying that Levy needs to go. Levy needs to be fired. Levy's not, Levy's not him. Levy's not this. Levy's not that. Here's my deal with Jeff Levy. Is Levy great all the time? No. Is he great in critical situations? Not really. Is his clock management great? <laughs> no. It's proved to be that way in the last couple of weeks. But at the same time, this is an offense this past weekend that went up there in Lubbock and put up 670 total yards and scored 48 points. We are going to sit here and have a conversation about Jeff Levy's job. After that, I get it. The offense hasn't been perfect, but, but here's the point that I lay out. And I'm not trying to call the fans out on this, but this is the point that I lay out. So many of us have been spoiled and so used to offenses going out and lighting up 70 points and things like that, that you have to accept it's just not going to happen that much this year. And it might not happen that much next year if Dylan Gabriel returns, but Jeff Levy's offense is not going to do that. Jeff Levy's offense, they want to eat up grass and they want to put points on the board, but they're not going to go out there and drop 70 like the Riley offenses were because here's the deal. You don't have a Baker Mayfield. You don't have a Kyler Murray. You don't have a CeeDee Lamb, a Hollywood Brown, a Mark Andrews. Uh, I can go on and on for day. Rodney Anderson. I can go on and on for days about the talent that those teams had, along with a guy in Lincoln Riley who, again, a genius when it comes to offensive football. Some of the stuff that that man did at Oklahoma when it came to offensive football was incredible. I don't care how much you hate him. I don't care. I don't care. I don't like the guy that much anyway, but Jesus Christ. I mean, some of the stuff that he did was incredible and you can't fabricate it. Now for Jeff Levy, the offense to me this year has been fine. It's been up and down at times. And like I say this, like, the, the offense played well enough to beat Kansas State. Dylan Gabriel played well enough to beat Kansas State. The defense gave up nearly 600 yards. This past weekend, they lost that game for a multitude of reasons, but a big reason was because they couldn't tackle. They were missing tackles left and right. They had mental busts all over the field on defense, like Woody Washington jumping off sides. That killed them. Billy Bowman gives up a touchdown. That kills them. But the offense had the numbers to win that game. They out, they beat Tech in the categories like turnovers, uh, uh, time of possession, points. Well, not points, of course, because Tech won the game. But uh, total yardage. I mean, all the offensive stats you can think of, Oklahoma won the game in. They just couldn't tackle on defense. They couldn't do the little things. And that's been the biggest theme for this team all year is the little things is what's killing them. It's the penalties. It's the all the other stuff that we've talked about for the last month okay and we know that 
But to like to to like the point, like another thing with 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 Dylan Gabriel, and I'll get into my defense session of him. Actually, I'll do that right now. So obviously, a discussion has been: Will Dylan Gabriel return next year? I think he will because I don't know where the heck Dylan would go. First of all, I mean, I don't know another school he would go to. Maybe UCLA because I think DTR is going to the league. I don't think Dylan right now is an NFL quarterback quite yet. I don't think he's he's certainly not an NFL starter right now. That's that's obvious. Um, he can make a roster, but I don't know if he's like a guy that can go out there on Sundays right now at this very moment. But it's another thing that I've seen on the page is so many of you guys want to bench Dylan Gabriel. And and like my take on that subject is as simple as it's the stupidest thing in the world because Think back to what happened in Dallas. I've made that point over and over and over again. When you didn't have Dylan Gabriel, your offense did not exist. But at the same time, it's like the guy was just named Big 12 Newcomer of the Year uh, uh, offensively today. He's first in the Big 12 in passing yards a game, second in the Big 12 in pass efficiency, second in the Big 12 in passing touchdowns, and third in the Big 12 in passing yards total. So... So Dylan Gabriel's total numbers on the year, uh, 29, or 2,925 passing yards, 24 touchdowns. So not a bad stat line and six interceptions. So not terrible, but it's not what we're used to. And that's when I go back to the point about us being spoiled. We're used to somebody like Kyler Murray going out there or Baker Mayfield really going out there and throwing 500 yards and six touchdowns a game. We're used to Kyler Murray going out there and putting up, you know, 400 yards, passing 100 rushing and six total touchdowns like we're used to that newsflash guys and i think we told you guys this when he transferred in dylan gabriel's not going to do that like we said this on the page dylan gabriel's ceiling is a conference championship quarterback he's good enough to take this team to the big 12 championship and next year if this team gets their gets their crap together on defense they fix some of the miscues on offense he can be a big 12 championship quarterback and I certainly think he comes back and starts next year because it's an elite position. I just gave my little spiel on him being an NFL quarterback. The conversation is as simple as, look, you're the quarterback at Oklahoma. We got all these NIL opportunities for you. You get to lead this team for another year. I would assume Brent probably has permanent captains by then next year. So you're a captain. You're the guy on this football team. You're the face of this team. So that's enough to get the guy to return. I think it's all a matter of if Jeff Levy is saying, look, you come back, you're the guy. And I would assume that's the case. But then again, you don't know. I don't know what those conversations are like. So maybe maybe Levy's thing is, hey, you know, I think the world of you, you know that. But we got this kid coming in and Jackson Arnold who I want to see some things. I want to see if he can compete. And like, here's the deal. I think the world of Jackson Arnold, I think you all know that. I, I love him. I love his game. But he's not going to start from day one next year. And, you know, every five-star quarterback, and we know this very well, every five-star quarterback isn't going to be the guy that starts from day one. And I say we know that very well because we we saw that in Spencer Rattler, right? And and shout out to Spencer. He's had an he's had an incredible two weeks out at South Carolina. But you know, my, my point with that is is like this Dylan Gabriel coming back next year is the best case scenario because 
he gets an opportunity to lead this team with with Jalil Farouk, Marvin Mims. You've got some offensive talent in the stable. You're going to add some offensive talent in the recruiting and in the portal. So you've got an elite opportunity next year. If Jackson Arnold is the guy from day one, then maybe he is that dude. But like the point was also brought up earlier, like should OU go into the portal and find another quarterback? I don't know why they – okay, well, I know why they would because I guess you would say that, you know, Davis Bevel, that whole thing's not working out and maybe you want somebody else to get back there. But for somebody like a Jackson Arnold, like I assume the conversation was had by Jeff Levy because even when Gabriel came in, we all knew he had another year. Now, I would assume that Levy's conversation was, hey, we're going to get you in here. You're going to light it up. We're going to get you out of here next year. Or the conversation was also, we're going to get you in here for a few years. But he breaks down the scenario to Jackson and says, look, Dylan very well could come back next year. And if he does, you know, you're going to have to stay patient. So either it's that or either the conversation was something like, you come in, we're going to let you compete. It's one of those two. And so my whole thing with Dylan is like the guys played well all he all season. He just hasn't been elite. He hasn't been the guy that throws 50 touchdowns in a season and, and all that. He's not we he was never going to be that guy. And I think some of you guys needed to really kind of render your expectations before the season and the thinking that he was that guy because he wasn't that guy at UCF. He wasn't going to be that guy at Oklahoma. And like, here's my thing, too, when it comes to, like, draft declarations. I know Marvin Mims is a heavy topic. I'm going to just address this right now. I would be more shocked if Marvin Mims left than if he doesn't come back. And I'll expand on that a little bit later, uh, later in the week. But I think if Dylan Gabriel does indeed come out and say that he's returning next year because he hasn't even made a decision, but if he comes out and says, I'm returning next year, it's kind of safe to assume that Marvin Mims is coming back because I don't think he would come back if Mims wasn't around. I don't think he would come back if Farouk wasn't staying put. And you can talk about portal situations like, again, I know Jalil Farouk was rumored. It was just a rumor. I don't think that's happening at all. Um, you know, scary things to think about. I know, like, you know, Danny Stutzman or, you know, Billy, but whatever it is. I'm not saying they're entering the portal. I'm just saying we've been hurt before. But I think if Dylan Gabriel returned, he wouldn't come back to play with a bunch of freshmen. Like, he would come back if he knew – Jalil was staying put and Marvin was staying put. So if he announces something that says, I'm coming back, that's a pretty good key. But my whole point, you know, in today is really just, and as we close out the season, and I plan on doing like an official season closeout. We'll do that probably after the bowl game, which will be in a few weeks, but, or maybe next week. I don't know. We'll, we'll get it figured out when I want to do that. But, you know, my, my whole thing is this guys, like, there's been just so much crap going on last month and it hasn't been that championship November and all that. It's been, it's been a struggle. And I know there's a portion of you that are ready to throw the throw Brett Venables off a bridge and, you know, Jeff Levy and Ted roof and all those guys and this, that, and the third, you know, my whole take here with, with, with Ted roof or not Ted roof. Uh, and I'll actually talk about Ted roof a little bit later in the week as well. Um, but, my whole take when it comes to, you know, the whole Brent Venables thing is this. I know you're tired of hearing me say stay patient because you want results now, and I get it. But 
what you got to understand is Brent Venables is taking over a team that doesn't know what it takes to be great. Sure, they went 10 and 2 last year. I get that. Sure, they've won conference championships. They haven't sniffed the national championship. So this is a this is a program that hasn't sniffed the national championship in what what since, since 2008, the year we played Florida in the national championship. That's the closest they got. So you have a group full of players that don't know what it takes because they haven't been there. It's not that they don't have it. They just have not been there. They don't know what it takes to get to the top. You have a coaching staff with Brent Venables, who's won a national championship. Todd Bates, who's won a national championship with Brent Venables. Uh, you know, well, Kale Gundy's gone now, so I can't use that. But uh, you've got, I'm blanking on names, but you've got people in that building that know what it takes. You know, you can even mention Ted Roof, although Ted Roof, you know, the defense that won the national championship at Auburn, that defense was horrendous. He was he still got there. So he saw what it took, I guess. But. You know, you have a program here that doesn't know what it takes, not, not a program, a team that doesn't know what it takes. And they're slowly learning what it takes. And even the players have came out and said, yeah, we, you know, we're learning what it takes to be great and things like this. And we're buying in because we know that. Like, I remember before BV got hired, I said all he had to do was walk into the meeting room, hold up his three national championship rings and say, trust me, believe me when I tell you to do so. When I when I say jump, you say how high. That's how simple it is. And it's funny because you don't hear any of these guys coming out and saying, yeah, BV toxic. I don't like him. He, he he gets on to me every every time I move and things like this. And then you don't hear that. You hear the things like Theo we said where he's the guy. Every player in that building, every administrator on that campus, every person that's in that, within those walls is saying he's the perfect guy for this job. And this is like the third time I've had to come out and say something about this. But it's because so many people are too hung up on this fire him thing. And here's the thing. I don't think he's been incredible when it comes to, I think he's been great when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to, you know, building the culture and things like that. He's been fantastic on the field. It's debatable. Uh, you know, it's debatable from uh, game management. Hasn't been that well, hasn't been that good this season. We know that for a fact. And for a first time head coach, that's stuff that you can learn. Like, I don't remember Bob Stoops's first year here, so I don't know what he went through. Some of you older people can attest to that. No offense, but you know, these are stuff that head coaches, these are stuff that first time head coaches have to learn. And that's why he brought in somebody like a Matt Wells, who's been a head coach before to kind of be his right hand man. Ted Roof, you know, again, wasn't a successful head coach, but has been a head coach before. You know, he's had he has guys on his staff that have that have Brandon Hall's been an interim head coach. I mean, it's obviously a little bit different, but still, you know. Guys around there that know that that know, but the thing about that is also those guys don't want to be wrong. So if they tell Brent, "Hey, Brent, call a timeout here," and then it shoots them in the tail, guess who's going to get the finger pointed at him? Matt Wells or whoever said it. You know, nobody wants to get yelled at for that. But you know, it's just a point that goes back to like, man, you got to be patient because I don't know how you can't look at this thing right now and think that Brent's not going to not is not the guy for the job. I don't know how you can't look at it. And, and I get it. Six and six. I understand. It's something we've never seen. But at the same time, I really don't know how you can look at it and say he's not the guy going forward. Because this recruiting class 
Newsflash hasn't fell apart. Sure, you've had decommitments, but these are guys that have been taught that have had rumors flowing in and out since they committed. Anthony Evans has always been considered a flip to Georgia. The guy was suddenly committed to Georgia while he was committed to Oklahoma. Colton Vasek, we know that situation. So it's a reason this class is still holding up. Peyton Bowen is getting ready to announce. I think he's actually getting ready to announce this week, if I'm correct. But there's a reason he's so gung-ho about Oklahoma. Like, there's a reason these guys believe in what's being sold. And I know I said I was going to talk about facilities. I'm kind of short on time, so I can't really do that right now. But I'm actually going to have my guy Blake on. Uh, you guys, if you don't know, Blake Ankoviak is the second staff member of the Center Sports Daily. And um, he's the graphic designer. He does all the content and stuff like that. So uh, he'll be joining me on the next episode. And we're going we're gonna to actually just talk about the facilities and stuff on there. We're going to talk about the Ted Roof situation because, I mean, there's not really a situation. But I do kind of want to discuss some defense. I want to talk about some defensive coordinator stuff and things like that. So we'll get into all that next. But thank you guys for listening to the day. Listening today. I'm sorry. I kind of rumbled on my words there. But thank you guys for listening today. Um, if you liked it, leave a review. Leave a rating. Let us know what you think. Follow us on Instagram at Center Sports Daily. Follow on Twitter at underscore Dylan Ross. Subscribe, download the pod, do all that good stuff. We'll keep you guys updated on the Patreon. We'll send out leaks as soon as possible. And once again, thank you guys for listening and Boomer Sooner.